0: The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Good morning, everybody.
1: You are welcome here. It's good to see you all. Uh, we're here to worship our God. I invite you to stand, please, and let's
2: uh, let's begin doing that. Good morning. Welcome here. My name is Doug Friesen. I'm one of the pastors and uh, we're so glad to worship together. So glad that it's name tag Sunday. That's always a big help. And uh, I hope that we have a good time getting to worship the Lord together by learning to love each other as well. That pleases our dad when we learn to love each other want to let you know that if you're new here we're just glad that you're with us and we ask that you take the card in front of the uh, seat in front of you to either let us know of your visit you can put it in a basket as you leave or you can download the app on your phone there's a welcome section there and you can let us know as your of your visit as well Uh, just want to let you know on the app it's so good because there's a news section and there's a register section so if you hear something up here and then you kind of forget later on when you're home, open up the app, check those two se- se- sections and you will definitely see what we've talked about this morning. So one of the things is if you're new here, we want to invite you to uh, lunch after church on Sunday, October the 16th. So it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so please uh, sign up for that. We'd love for you to come and stay, get to meet some of our, some of our church family. And then come to the table. Our church family meal starts on uh, Wednesday October the 5th and so our registration is going to start opening early this week and we ask people to sign up it's a weekly registration so we ask you to do that by Sunday night because as you can imagine we have to go buy the food prep the food so if you can do that for us each week that's wonderful every week's going to be a different ethnic flavor and the first one's going to be Ukrainian And So please make a note of October the 5th and sign up this week by next Sunday night for sure We've had over 30 people trained to work in the kitchen We'd love a few more yet our next training session is on Thursday October the 6th So if you're willing to work in the kitchen that would be wonderful And we're just so looking forward to having this family time together You'll see on the registration that it will tell you of things you can do after the service so children with uh, Uh, Families with young children you can make use of the children's ministry area. There's a place for board games or just coffee But then we're gonna have discipleship groups here, and that's where we're going to be talking about um, What we've been learning in Matthew from the Sunday morning And as you've been reading through Matthew yourselves and just saying what have we learned about Jesus this week and encouraging one another in our faith so there's a registration form for that as well that you can go to it's for our life path journey and on there, you can let us know what you want to be involved in. It's more or less letting us know how to be prepared for the first couple of weeks because we're, we don't want to just guess. We have to have a pretty good idea of how to have many tables to set up, that sort of thing. But I want to let you know, I don't think anything has brought me as much joy recently as how many of these journals we have said we want to read together. I, we bought 125, and they were all gone. Bought another 100, they were all gone. Ordered another 50, just got them Friday, and... Let's say let's get them all gone Wouldn't that be wonderful and the idea is not only to equip our hearts with God so that we can share with each other But can you imagine in time if your neighbors asked about Christ, and you said you know what let me get you a journal We can go through this together You know what why don't you come to my church and have dinner with me and some friends? This is what we do we talk about Jesus It's not so freaky when you have some steps along the way to help it out, so please make note of that um, Looking forward to the days ahead. We're gonna watch a video right now, and the, the lady you'll see in the video is Brenda Noble. She's one of our Justice and Mercy team. We have a number of goals as a team. One of them is equipping people to love our neighbors, and her specific focus is helping our church family grow in cultural awareness. And she leads our ministry called English Conversation Circles. So I'm very glad that you can watch this now.
3: Hi, I'm Brenda Noble. I'm a member of the JAM team at White Ridge Baptist Church, and I coordinate at ECC, or English Conversation Circles. ECC is a place for newcomers to come learn English, learn about living in Winnipeg, and to meet people who are ready to be friends with them. One of our volunteers has agreed to share her experience.
4: Hello, my name is Dolores Tully, and my family has been attending White Ridge Church for over 10 years now. In my time at the church, I have served in a variety of ministries and committees, but never considered the English conversation circle as a place to volunteer. I was under the mistaken impression that in order to volunteer with the ECC, you needed to speak a second language or have some practical experience helping newcomers to Canada. Well, I could not have been more wrong. Late last year, I was invited to observe a session of ECC to see if I might be interested in volunteering. And I was pleasantly surprised to find out that there is a curriculum for each session on a particular topic. There are readings and questions and vocabularies to practice. And it just guides the conversation through the evening. There are snacks at every session. The volunteers are all friendly and the students are just so happy to be in Canada and so eager to learn. At the end of a series of sessions, we have a yummy potluck. So I'm here to let you know that the only qualifications you need to volunteer in the ECC is a warm personality and a willingness to speak with a newcomer to Canada. Thank you.
3: I picture the tables as our circles of friendship to welcome people. Depending on interest, there may be a table for beginners, Or a Bible study table. We would also like to provide child care and are looking for someone to help us. So there are many circles. Now we'd like to add another circle and call it the welcome circle. We found that some of our topics would help newcomers who already have good English. When we move to Winnipeg, we all need some advice wherever we're from. In the spring, we had special topics on the Manitoba medical system, on writing a resume and on gardening. This fall, we're starting ECC with a welcome circle for anyone whose children are new to the school system. On October 5th, our own Lorraine Barton will help us think about an important topic, how to talk to your child's teacher. Parent teacher interviews are coming and Lorraine can help us understand and talk to teachers and work together with them to help our children succeed. If you would like to join us, you are welcome. Please register so we know how many people to prepare for. We hope to see you at our Welcome Circle right after Come to the Table at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, October 5th. Thank you.
2: As Brenda said, English conversation circles, the welcome circles, they take place on Wednesdays right after Come to the Table. One of the things we're so glad is that we can show hospitality to new Canadians by inviting them to come and have a meal with us. And so we hope that you'll get to know so many new people in our church family. And maybe you can bless them in their journey of adjusting to our country and learning our language. And maybe you can learn a bit of theirs as well. And so look forward to that. Just to save the date on October 22nd to 23rd, that Saturday, Sunday, it's our missions weekend. And so we're really looking forward to that. We're gonna have a men's and women event, 10 o'clock that day, followed by a combined lunch and then sessions and that all afternoon. But the thing I need to let you know about today is the flag parade. When you step into the church, you see all those beautiful flags and all those beautiful flags represent beautiful people in our church family who come from those countries. And so on that Sunday, on the 23rd, the people who are willing, we want them dressed in their traditional garb. If they have it to come, we won't be carrying the flags. But then for the new flags, because we have new countries in our church, new people who say, I have a country that I love that I'd love to celebrate. We want you to let us know about the country that you represent. We'll buy a flag, and that Sunday we'll celebrate that we can put that up on, the, on our wall there as well. So please be aware of that. And today, as we continue our worship, we're going to just spend some time in prayer. Today, this Sunday, the last Sunday of the month since 1998, is a day of prayer for our police and peace officers who have given their lives in service. And since the first memorial in 1978, 874 people have given their lives for our safety in our country. And so uh, today, we're just gonna take a few moments of silence and then we'll just uh, pray and thank the Lord for the men and women who have given of themselves so we can enjoy living in this country. Let's just take a time of silence. why are you downcast O my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope in god i shall yet again praise him my help and my god father we thank you so much for the privilege of the country that we live in for all the peace and the freedom we have here and we thank you for the many people who give of themselves sacrificially day in and day out and we don't understand the cost that they pay Many of the things they see that haunt them, that cause them anxiety. And so many people who have given their lives. And Lord, not just for their sacrifice, but the sacrifice of their family and friends. So today, Lord, we just acknowledge how thankful we are for people who have been so sacrificial. And we ask, Lord, for you to be their peace and comfort and strength I pray in particular for our brothers and sisters on the force that you use them, Lord, by the grace of your Holy Spirit to be your fragrance of life in an area and a time where often the fragrance is so much of death. Use them, Lord, to bring hope and again be their hope. We ask these things for your sake and for their good. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. I have a few uh, more fa- uh, church family announcements uh, to let you know about uh, on on Thursday night. Uh, Jacqueline Hinks's mother uh, passed away. She was almost ninety eight, uh, but she passed away into glory. And uh, also, I failed to mention last Sunday that Sue Ann Satcher's mother had passed away the previous week in Fergus Falls. And uh, in both cases, the family, the family knows uh, that their loved one knew Jesus, had given their life to Christ, and, and they have the assurance of knowing where she is right now, and... and uh, that she's in the presence of of the joy of of the Lord. And so we give praise for that, but we also uh, remember both families in in this time as they're grieving. And so you guys, if you're watching, uh, we love you lots, and uh, we're praying for you uh, during this time. Uh, Also, one more thing. um, uh, Jenna Oste, who many of you know, the Osties in our church, uh, she's in hospital right now. Uh, A couple nights ago, she was having some difficulty breathing. Um, because of fluid buildup, and has to do with a, a dietary blockage uh, that uh, that they have to have have to address. So she's been in hospital ever since, and uh, and they believe that the sur- there's going to be surgery today uh, for her. So please uh, let's let's keep that family and particularly Jenna in our prayers as well. Uh, this morning, Pastor Terry is going to be preaching from Matthew chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read the scripture reading right now. Uh, this is an excerpt from, from chapter 3. I invite you to, to, to stand, and we're starting in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to, the Jordan, to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. with whom I am well pleased. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, When we have a baptism in our church family, what what that means is that somebody is declaring that Christ has already forgiven them for their sins, that they've given their life life to Christ and they've experienced his grace and forgiveness. And Christ did not need to be forgiven. He was already holy. He was already perfect. But here he was already identifying with us. As sinners. And from then, he would go into the desert to be tempted. And all of this, as I'm sure we're going to hear more about this morning, all of this is a part of, was a part of his process of being prepared for ministry to serve the kingdom of God. And uh, the songs we're going to be singing this morning are about that. They're about God preparing us, because God... Uh, uses and allows many things in our lives to shape us so that we can serve him best, we can glorify him more. And uh, as we sing these songs this morning, I, just, I invite you just to bring your heart to it. We're inviting our God to shape us how he chooses to, uh, dedicating ourselves to him. Let's sing this together.
3: are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart and will glorify your name forever.
1: Amen. This is a part of the service where we just take a moment just to reflect on our gratitude towards all the ways that God is faithful. And he's faithful in providing for this church, for sure, in lots of ways, and individually as well. We talk about him shaping us. He has never stopped working on you if you are a follower of Christ. And he is still with you, and he is carrying you, and he is changing you so that you can honor Jesus more. And may that continue to be our desire as well. Um, And we're going to sing one more song. Uh, together and as worship. And while we do that, uh, if as we're reflecting on gratitude, this is a time to perhaps think about how God's called us to also give uh, towards his kingdom ministry. And if you're at home, this is a time maybe to take a look at the app. And there's a lot of different ways you can give financially towards our church. But uh, that's a way that we worship as church family. If you're a visitor here, uh, don't feel any pressure about that. But uh, we're just here to, to honor him. So let's let's sing this together. Lord, hear your people sing. Hear your people sing holy. We declare that you are holy. Lord, we dedicate this morning to you because you are holy and you are our God. And we dedicate ourselves to you because you are our God. And may your kingdom resound in this world. And may we see your kingdom grow. And may we be a part of it. Lord, we dedicate this time and each of ourselves. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Please have a seat. I like when God, I like how God orchestrates everything. Uh, it's fitting that, that we've been singing and thinking about dedication today, um, because in, in the spirit of that, we also have a church family dedication uh, today, and we're blessed to be able to have a, a parent and child dedication uh, this morning. And so I'm going to call up the Nevis family, uh, Pedro and Fernanda, and their son David, uh, who they're dedicating this morning, as well as uh, some parents as well. I understand that Fernanda's parents are here, and also, I think, uh, Pedro's mother. And uh, also, I understand that, uh, that Fernanda's parents are heading back to Brazil. They're just visiting now, and uh, they're heading back this coming week. So we're so very glad that everybody's able to be here for this time this morning. I want to take a moment just to say a little bit about what it is that we're doing here. Um, when we... Do a parent-child dedication time in a service at White Ridge Baptist Church. And what's specifically this morning, all of this is all about our desire that Devi grow to know Jesus and honor him with his life. And just like it says on the screen that you can see here and also at home from Deuteronomy 6, it is our desire that Devi will grow to love the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might. And... Toward that end, we're going to do actually four different things just now in in short order. Uh, First, uh, the parents, Pedro and Fernanda, they're going to be presenting their son David to God as an act of dedication to God. And that's not unlike what we see in Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 1 when Hannah is dedicating Samuel to the glory of the Lord. That's that's what the parents are doing this morning. And then, secondly, uh, Pedro and Fernanda themselves are dedicating themselves to God as parents, asking God to help you uh, and, uh, and lead you in raising your son that he might honor Christ. And then thirdly, uh, this entire family uh, is going to be joining together and committing uh, to walk alongside Pedro and Fernanda and to, and to love David and to support them as they raise him. And then the fourth thing is for all of us uh, that we're gonna be committing ourselves as well as, as family because this is church family. Uh, we're gonna be committing ourselves to do all that we can to assist Pedro and Fernanda as parents and to love David in our midst as he grows, grows towards faith in Jesus Christ. So it's a very exciting time. <laughs> and the drums are very exciting too. They really are, they really, really are. So I'm gonna ask everybody a question or two, uh, beginning with Pedro and Fernanda. I'm gonna ask you two questions actually. Uh, the first is this, believing that David is a gift to you from the Lord, do you today choose to dedicate him to the glory and honor of God? Amen. And will you, by prayer and by the, the example that you set, point David to Jesus in the hope that he will come to faith and, and honor God with his life? Amen. And then this is for all of the family, uh, will you pray for this, actually, no, this, yeah, this is still for you guys. Will you pray for this family and support Pedro and Fernanda as they raise Devi toward genuine faith in Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. And, uh, and then finally, this is for all of us, and many of you haven't had a chance even to meet this family yet, because they're pretty new here, but that's going to change over time as, as we grow in relationship with each other, and when it does, yeah, see, it's the church family. Everybody wave. This is a very friendly place. (laughs) Part of our role together as family is to love this family well. And that's what we intend to do, you guys, is to love you well and to love Davi well and to support you guys in every way that we can. And so I'm going to ask all of you a question as well. And the answer is is we do, if that's how you're so inclined. (laughs) Will you, through the friendships, ministries, and programs that we have, Pledge your support and love to these parents and support them as they raise Davi toward faith in Jesus. Amen, amen. You guys, I'm going to pray together with you. Hey, hey one. high five! Awesome, awesome. Father, I thank you for this family, and we thank you uh, especially for Davi this morning. We thank you for the beautiful gift that he is to this family and to this church. And we thank you, Lord, for how you uh, have brought this family here to be part of this church family and to, to make this their church home. And I pray that this would be a place of blessing where they would experience your love more and more deeply and where they would experience the love of the church more and more deeply. And I pray also for Davi Div- for especially, that you would grow him to be a man of God who loves his Savior, Jesus Christ, and knows him as his Savior and proclaims him as his Savior. And I pray that you would you would just... Bless all of these, these people in this family towards that end. Thank you for meeting us here, and thank you for how much all of this is worth it for the service of you and your kingdom and the love that we experience of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we have a, we have a gift for you. Uh, this is a book that we've actually read as a staff. It's called Faith Begins at Home, and it's a really great book uh, with some really good ideas about what it is to... to, uh, to exemplify Christ-likeness as parents and actually as grandparents as well and as a church as well. It's worth finding. This is it's by Mark Holman and it's a really, really great book uh, to read for all of us. But uh, this is for you guys. Uh, may it bless you. Amen.
0: Good to, uh, good to see this family up here, Pedro, Fernanda, Obrigado. It's the only Brazilian Portuguese word I know. We were in uh, Sao Paulo one day, uh, Pat and I, we were traveling through and we were at a restaurant in Sao Paulo and um, my wife bumped the table and knocked some drink over and the only word she knew was Obrigado. And so she said, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So God bless you, it's really sure good to have you. Really good to, to meet Avi as well. Well this morning I'm really excited uh, about uh, a theme that I'm gonna be addressing this evening. And I just wanna do a little commercial about tonight's teaching. We're calling it Come to the Core. We do these about a couple times a year. We haven't done one for a while. And tonight I've been ruminating for weeks over a theme that I want to address this evening. And if you come this evening, you'll find that this room is filled with uh, tables and chairs, and you're going to have a chance to sit and do some table time. But I'm going to be also presenting about a theme of how the culture is discipling us. I was listening to a podcast yesterday about culture, and they defined, the author defined culture as a river. And uh, if you understand that, it really makes sense that Whether you are active or passive in the river, the river is taking you somewhere. It's flowing. And so in our culture, we have seen the river taking us in places away from Jesus more recently in various ways. I want to describe that. We'll move from descriptive to prescriptive tonight. And as a church, the board and the staff, we have been really seeking... Especially over COVID, we've read books, we've talked about how do we change our culture as a church to become a disciple-making culture. And so again, this idea of culture as a river applies to both the, the world we live in and the church that we're a part of. So that if someone enters Canada and is passive the culture of Canada will take them down the river toward things that are leading them away from Jesus. I want to describe that tonight. And if you become part of a church that is Bible believing and disciple making and God glorifying and Jesus worshiping and so on, you will be part, even if you're passive as a believer in Jesus Christ, the good thing about collective faith community is that even if you're passive, that culture of a church can take you further toward Jesus. You'll start to see that holy habits can be forming in your life. You'll start to see that holy community can actually shape your value system and so on. So I think that metaphor is really incredibly valuable for me. And tonight, as we think about it, as followers of Jesus, we have found, if you're awake to this, You've probably seen in the last years that our worldview, our value system, our social norms are increasingly more and more at odds with the culture that we live in. In fact, some of you might see that you have neighbors and people you work with and they would see the church as more of the problem than the solution. We're increasingly seeing the fact that that because we're on the wrong side of history, according to the view of many people, when it comes to views on sexuality and on gender and on the life of the unborn and on uh, assistance in dying at the end of life and all these different hot items that are around the world today, your friends and your neighbors may not just see you as weird anymore. They might see you as dangerous. That's where this is going. And, of course, as Christians, we, we can respond to that in various ways. We can respond in a progressive attitude way that just says, well, I'm just going to go with the flow. Or we can respond on the other side with this attitude of being weirdo Christians, right-wing weirdos, you know, conspiracy theorists. and eh, It used to be just the weirdo Christians were King James only. And now there's all kinds of weirdo Christians. And so you can respond to the culture around you and you can come across like just an angry evangelical. No wonder the world, in some cases, has a view of evangelicalism that is rather jaded because we sometimes wear it and own it. We don't need to do that. Tonight I want to talk a lot about this stuff. I was talking with a a young woman two weeks ago. We were visiting our son Jonathan in Kitchener. I saw this young woman, we were talking to her, I was describing, and she was describing her faith journey to date. It had a little, bit of, a little bit of Bible camp in the summers. It had a little bit of Jehovah's Witness friends. It had a little bit of Anglicanism from a grandpa. And there was just a mishmash of all kinds of stuff in her. And you know what I was feeling? I was feeling like a John the Baptist. Prepare the way for the Lord, like we're looking at today. I feel that's our job, is there's so much clutter in people's lives. Get it out of the way. Clear away the rubble. Don't get snagged on the weirdo conspiracy theorists and the King James only, and don't get snagged on the people that say, we're just like the world, just go along with it. Don't get snagged. There's so much to clear away. We can't do that publicly very well, but you can do it one-on-one. You can do it at the workplace, one-on-one. You can do it in the classroom, one-on-one. You can do it in Christian friendship when we just engage with someone who's not Christian and they got all kinds of weird ideas about Jesus. Tonight I want to talk about that. I want us to see what the real enemy is and I want us to be able to describe how we can actually help raise our children in this culture. You know, here here it is that we're, we're sent to make disciple, to disciple the nations. But what we find in Canada, in this generation, is that the nations around us, the culture around us, is discipling us. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. I hope you can come. Uh, you can tell I'm a little excited about this. Um, and uh, I believe the Lord has uh, some really important things to teach us as a church as we seek to become more disciple-making in our own faith community, but also in, in our culture. So let's, let's pray to that end right now as I begin into the message. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your word and the light and life of your word. Your word is truth. And uh, Lord, we open it every Sunday. We open it every day. We, we feed on it. We believe it's our lifeline. It's how you have decided that you're going to guide us like a light, a lamp for our feet. And Lord, I pray that tonight uh, you'll help us as we get into a theme that is based on your word. But also this morning, as we just continue to introduce Jesus as Matthew did, we just pray blessing on, on this time. Holy Spirit of God, would you be pleased to just draw back the curtain on who Jesus is a little bit more and how we are to follow him and to be followers of him. And so we commit this message to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, uh, as we are getting ready to start into the Sermon on the Mount next week, we've been introducing the Gospel of Matthew with the first four chapters. And, and uh, last week, I described to you the outline of... of uh, oh, yeah, I mentioned that. I'm so happy. Doug said he, he got the 50 more in, and they're going like hotcakes. That's wonderful. And so if you have your uh, journal open, you're going to want to take some notes today on this. But last week I talked to you about the outline of the Gospel of Matthew, okay? So the Gospel of Matthew, very interesting. This guy was wise. He was he was led by the spirit of God and he starts his his work, his gospel with four chapters that are introducing Jesus. It's called the prologue in technical terms. And then the last few chapters on the epilogue are describing the death and resurrection of Jesus. So you, you got the birth on the front end, the death of resurrection on the back end, and in between are five sections on the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew clearly identifies. Five uh, discourses, we call them. And he identifies them with a little word, a little phrase. And you'll notice that he ends every section with this phrase. When you see this phrase, you know, okay, Matthew's finishing that section. We're moving on to the next discourse. And so chapter seven twenty-eight, he ends the Sermon on the Mount that he started on chapter 5, verse 1. And he ends it by saying, and when Jesus finished saying these things, okay, we're signaled. The reader knows we're moving on to the next discourse chapter 11 verse 1 when jesus finished instructing his 12 disciples okay we're done that section and so on five of them all the way through and so we're going to decide we decided we're going to study the gospel of matthew the way that matthew wrote it so we're going to finish the prologue today and j- jump, jumping into the sermon on the mount next week we're going to go until christmas and then in the winter we're going to do chapters 8 to 10, kingdom advancing. We're going to go kingdom opposition in spring. We're going to go kingdom authority in the summer. Next summer, kingdom uh, coming, this coming next year, a year from now. That's the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus talks about his second coming. And then finally, we'll end just before Easter 2024 with, uh, with the whole idea of moving toward Easter and toward the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so, If God permits and Jesus doesn't return before we describe his return, we'll do that. We'll talk about these uh, five sections of Matthew. And so so this morning, just to complete the introduction, let's talk about um, Jesus and the ministry that he had. And you remember that last week we ended chapter 2, and then chapter 3, verse 1, you need to remember mentally, 30 years have passed, okay, 30 years have passed in the life of Jesus between the end of chapter 2 and chapter 3, verse 1. Okay, And now we are seeing that John the Baptist has come. He's announcing and preparing the way for Jesus to come. Now, when people think about Jesus and how he began his public ministry and how he lived his life, there are often surprises. We are often surprised at Jesus. He's the touching lepers kind of Savior. He's the talking with prostitutes kind of Lord. He's the rebuke those religious leaders kind of guy. He's the let's play with children a little while, disciples. Don't stop them from coming to me kind of guy. He's the get into that temple and turn those money-changing tables over, and he surprises people over and over again. He is no ordinary religious figure. And so at the beginning of his public ministry, he also surprises us. You would think that Jesus would start his public ministry with a big show. You know? Fireworks. Something that's going to announce he's come. Now, this is listen up, everybody. But he doesn't do that. In fact, what we see him do, he walks down into the muddy Jordan River and uh, He is is baptized along with uh, all the other sinners that are going down there. He's baptized by this backwoods preacher named John who wore a camel skin and ate wild honey and locusts and all these things. He's just, you know, people were standing on the banks of the river Jordan and some were just looking on and, and, and speaking under their breath. Like, what a weirdo. I mean, there were people that had gone out to see John the Baptist just to see the spectacle. And here is Jesus going down into the waters of baptism. And uh, some of them on the banks, though, they, they came because they wanted to get ready. They wanted to get their own lives in order for the coming of God's kingdom. And John received those people. If you want to prepare yourself to be part of God's kingdom, you cannot scoff at anything that has to do with Jesus. You cannot scoff at anything that Jesus does or did, anything he teaches, because you will find yourself on the wrong side of history one day. And Matthew, who is in this case and in this coming years, our spiritual director, is taking us by the hand and he's telling us some of the most important events at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry and he guides us into four very important things that I want to describe this morning. First of all, I'm taking this right out of the text. First of all, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, "For John came, John the Baptist. And what was he all about? He was all about preparing people to be real with God. And then it says that then in verse 13, Jesus came. And What was Jesus came for? He came to be baptized by John. What was that all about? That was the idea of identifying with sinners. You and I have to follow Jesus there. We have to identify with sinners and as sinners. Thirdly, it says in the text in chapter four, verse one, that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove at his baptism. And uh, then Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by the devil. And we also need to follow Jesus because we're going to have to depend on His Spirit if we're going to overcome the temptations of this world. And then finally, it says that the crowds came. And the crowds came. Wow. This is what the most popular season of Jesus' ministry. And What does Jesus teach us except that we need to follow him into the messiness of the world where there's demonic oppression and where there's disease and where there's mental illness and where there's all kinds of stuff. And we follow Jesus into the mess of this world to be the healing presence that he alone can be in and through us. These are the four steps that we're going to look at this morning real quickly. And I want to start with how John came and it's found in chapter 3 verses 1 to 12. There's a a worship duo that I love, and they've been around a while now. You'll know them, all sons and daughters. And um, I love their verse, their song called Brokenness Aside. And here are the lyrics of one part of this song. They sing, I am a sinner, if it's not one thing, it's another. (laughs) Caught up in words, tangled in lies, but you are a savior, and you take brokenness aside and make it beautiful, beautiful. I love those words. If it's not one thing, it's another. Can you not relate to that? Have you been walking in your own sinful shoes long enough to know that if you don't fall off this side of the fence, you're going to fall off that side of the fence, that your sinfulness is like the iceberg. You know, you see the top... Tenth, and the rest of it is underneath. God sees it all, and He still loves you and has come to, for, in Christ to forgive you. I mean, if it's not one thing, it's another. I feel like that's me. It's like my golf game. If it's not one thing, it's another. You know? Jesus wants you to understand that. And that's why John came. John came because he was receiving people who knew that they needed a savior. And so that's why he used the word repent. He said, this is the way you deal with your sin. You turn from it. And so that's why also he begins next week as we look at it, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, the poor in spirit, why are they blessed? Because they're not arguing with God about their condition. They know their sin. They know that they need a savior. They're poor. They've got nothing to offer the Lord. And so they're not pretentious, they're not proud. They come knowing that they need Jesus. And in the days of Jesus, John the Baptist came baptizing in the Jordan River and those that had a spiritual need and they knew it, they went out to see him because they wanted to get ready for the kingdom of God. This man, John, was the real deal. This man spoke true truth and he knew how to prepare people to get ready to meet Jesus, and so they wanted to meet him. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let me ask you a question. What would you do or not do today for the rest of Sunday? What would you do or not do differently for the rest of the day if you knew that at 8 p.m. exactly this evening, Jesus is going to knock on your door and he's going to want to have tea with you alone. And don't tell me clean the house. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is looking a little more deep. You see, if there's anything that you'd need to get in order before 8 p.m. tonight, well, that's the repent quotient of your life today then. That's the awareness that you already have, that there's things about you that you need to bring to Jesus, that you're spiritually poor, and that with all the religious education that you've had, you still are not living the life you're called to live. We, we live every day in repentance and faith. And Jesus doesn't condemn us, he actually welcomes us. You know, the crowds that were standing on the banks of the Jordan would have expected that John the Baptist would have received those religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and so on, and he would have told the prostitutes, take a hike. No, no, no. It was the exact opposite. The upside-down kingdom of Jesus is saying, no, no, those prostitutes are coming because they know they're poor in spirit and they need a Savior. But those religious leaders, they think they're good enough by themselves. They think that they can call Abraham their father and the rest is good. Translated today, saying, you think you can, you can, you're okay because you're a Baptist? Or because you grew up in a Christian home? Or because you've gone to church all your life? Or whatever other kind of thing makes you think that you have immunity to the way that sin has corroded you. And you don't need a Savior. No, no. Jesus says, come. Come come and be repentant, metanoia. The, the word means to change one's mind, heart, self, way of life. It's a, it's a process. You don't do it once alone. You keep on doing it. And, uh, and so John was receiving these people, but the religious, the, the self-righteous, John spoke really strong words. He says, he says, the ax is already at the root of the tree. <laughs> The axe is already at the root of the tree. For you self-righteous ones who don't think you need Jesus, the axe is already there. The tree's going to fall. Be warned. And so we see, again, this incredible surprise. Jesus, John the Baptist, the forerunners, receiving the people that the crowds didn't expect would be received. I want to move on. Then it says in the Scripture that Jesus came. In uh, verse 13 we read, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Do you know the children of Israel, hundreds of years earlier, had gone through the Red Sea, escaping Egypt, in the Egyptians. Forty years later, they went through the Jordan River into the promised land. But none of all their religious activity, receiving the law between the Red Sea and the Jordan, all that God had done in them, none of it prepared them and gave them the transformed life that honors and glorifies God, their creator. None of it. And like we said last week, the reason that Jesus came, and Matthew's so intent on this, is that Jesus is now doing everything in succeeding in everything that Israel failed in. Okay? And so Jesus is being baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus is being baptized to identify with sinners. He had no sin in him. And he was baptized by John because... needed to succeed where Israel had failed. You see, Jesus was baptized as an act of identification. People were coming, and they were saying, I'm poor in spirit. I mourn that poverty. I hunger and thirst for true righteousness, and Jesus was saying, I am the one you're hungering for, and I will make you satisfied. I will give you forgiveness. And Jesus went down into the Jordan River. You know, there's a picture here. Jesus not only came from heaven down to earth, but he went down into the muddy Jordan River. And not just into there to stand, he went down under the water of the muddy river. Have you been baptized in the Red River? Anybody? We don't go there to be baptized. Why is that? It's more like the Jordan than any river in Manitoba. Jesus went down from heaven to walk among us. Jesus went down into the muddy waters of Jordan River. He went under the water. Why? He wanted to identify symbolically a, a, a message is being shared. He gets you, he understands your mess. He's immersed in your mess. No one understands you like he understands you. He identifies with you. You need to know that. And so he took our sins upon him on the cross. After he walked for those three years with his disciples, he went to the cross and he was raised from the dead and he offers you his spirit to overcome the temptations of your life. And see, that's the next step of this whole presentation that Matthew's giving us is that Again, a surprise is coming, folks. You'd think that after the Holy Spirit came down and descended on Jesus, it was an incredible moment. I don't know how anybody could witness that and not be changed, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested on Jesus, and a voice was heard from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. You know, at the Mount of Transfiguration, yeah, the added words are, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. It's interesting that Peter, James, and John were up there on the mountain with Jesus halfway through their discipleship plan, and they needed to be reminded to listen <laughs> to Jesus. You and I need reminding to listen to Jesus. And so what was God the Father doing for God the Son with God the Spirit in that baptismal act? He was giving him identity. This is my son. He was giving him security with whom I am well pleased. And he was giving him authority. Listen to him. God the Father was giving His Son those three gifts by the Spirit of God sealing it. And here's the surprise. You'd think that they'd come up out of the water and have a banquet, have a party, go to Simon Peter's house and and his mom's well now so she could maybe make a meal for them. No. The Spirit of God takes Jesus and leads Him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Doesn't that surprise you? Doesn't it even bother you? The Spirit of God leading the Son of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Well, again, like I had indicated earlier, I believe that part of the reason for this is that Jesus had to succeed where Israel had failed. And he did. In fact... Did you know that the three scriptures that are quoted in these temptation events are right out of the Israel wilderness wanderings the 40 years that they were in the, in the wilderness all three scriptures he borrows from that why he's trying to say something he's saying i'm going to I'm going to succeed everywhere that Israel's failed. And I'm telling you, follower of me, I will succeed in you, through you, as you, for you, where you have failed in the past. You'll trust me, but you're going to need my spirit. You're going to need my spirit to lead you through the temptations and all the testings of your wilderness experience. And so the word of God is sharp here. Active, living, it's cutting through. Receive it this morning. I think St. Augustine helps us understand this text better, and I know this is a bit of a long quote, and there's a lot here for you to take in, but let me just read it, because I believe that St. Augustine gets at the heart of this event. During this earthly pilgrimage, our life cannot be free from temptation For none of us comes to know ourselves except through the experience of temptation. Stop there. You can think that you're doing okay until you lose something or until you gain something you don't want. Circumstances pile a huge burden on you and all of a sudden you realize you're not not doing so good or you lose someone or something that you really, 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 really depend on and all of a sudden you realize you're not doing so well. You see, temptations and testings are needed in our lives to see what we're really made of. We can fool ourselves. And so, during this earthly pilgrimage, our life cannot be free from temptation for none of us comes to know ourselves except through the experience of temptation, nor can we be crowned until we have come through victorious not be victorious until we have been in battle nor fight our battles unless we have an enemy and temptations to overcome. I know, I know I wish it was different, but it's the way life is. And Jesus, the Son of God, had to show us the way. He led the way. He showed us how to overcome the enemy. As a man He came and he overcame all the temptations, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and he showed us how to depend on his spirit to do so. Because the spirit of God will lead us also, not into the temptation, but through it, if we will let him lead us. Through your weakest, most desperate wilderness, your most vulnerable times, Jesus and God the spirit are there, not to condemn you, but to support you. Do you remember the Sunday school song where I'm dating myself? My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. What's the next line? Everybody over 60 is saying, all I have to do is follow. (laughs) My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. You see, that's the truth. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can a bear or the ability to bear, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. You see, God has given us at least four resources to do so, and the word of God in chapter four gives us these. He has given us his spirit, he has given us his word, he has given us his angels, and he has given us his people. And if you can... If you can make use of these four resources that God has given you, you can overcome your temptations as well. I believe it. But I don't think we make use of some of these when we are in the trenches. Finally, I want to add that then the crowds came in the last part of chapter four. And um, we see in chapter four that Jesus, this last scene that Matthew paints in chapter 4 before the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The the scene is chapter 4 verse 18. It's beside the Sea of Galilee. He's walking along the beach and he sees Peter and Andrew and he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They get up and they follow Jesus. They leave their nets. He goes a little farther and he sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and he says, come follow me. And they leave their father in the boat and they come and they follow Jesus. And It says in the Mark's Gospel account that they went to the north village of Capernaum. And in Capernaum, Jesus got into the synagogue and started teaching. And they were all amazed. And and, and pretty soon we get to verse 25, the last verse of chapter uh, 4. And in a summary fashion, Matthew says, And great crowds, great crowds, followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, That's those ten cities, those Roman cities. And then from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan, basically south and east of of Galilee, all the way down to the Dead Sea, crowds were hearing about Jesus and were following him, wanting to see him. Some because maybe they really believed who he was, but others because they just had a need and they, they thought maybe he could help. This is probably one of the most popular times of Jesus at this, uh, at this season of life. And this last verse sets us up now for next Sunday as we begin into the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus stands up and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, maybe today the Spirit of God has done something in you as I've been sharing. Maybe in the worship time or in the message there's been something that the Spirit of God has been stirring in you. And... Uh, I want you to know one of the reasons that these journals are valuable is it's the moment of this interaction with the Spirit of God that you can write down, this is a lesson that that impacted me. And I want to encourage you to write that down and maybe even share it with somebody because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be, uh, hopefully many of us will be in these discipleship groups, life groups, and we're going to be taking our notes on a Sunday. And then when we get together on Sunday, on the evenings of Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday or whenever you get together with your group, uh, you're going to be able to take your notes and share a little bit more of what God has been speaking to you about. And I want to end by just uh, encouraging you in the challenge that you'll see in the insert in your bulletin, the green insert. And the insert uh, simply says this, that in this scripture we read of several resources God has given us to overcome life's temptations the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the angels of God, and the people of God. And so my challenge to you this week, and for me as well, is think about how you can depend more on these four pillars of your life, your spiritual life. And uh, it can help you in living out the God-glorifying life. And take steps to just address at least one of those. May God bless you. Thanks.
1: Lord, just like we sang to you before, show us who you are, fill us with your heart, and lead us in your love by your spirit to those around me. And Lord, we thank you also that you do know our every weakness and that you have identified with us and that we can depend on you now to grow us and shape us, to make us your servants, so that we might glorify you more. Please bless each one of us as we go from here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day.